to be here and to continue looking at what God has uh, put on my heart. The last couple of weeks we spent time looking uh, at where Christmas came from, uh, at least a, a little bit of our, our current expression, where it came from. Uh, we've talked about uh, how this current expression that we are uh, living in right now has been uh, dr dramatically and I think dangerously uh, over-commercialized. Uh, if we understand where Christmas came from and again we look at as a church as the as the people of God uh, it, it began there it began as a celebration uh, of the church uh, again if you were here you remember that's where we get the word Christmas is Christ mass it was a it was a service it was a celebration um, and some people say yeah but it was a state church and you know but we still celebrate it as that at least we say that in our words and again uh, this is something that we need to remember is that this celebration that began as a church service, that began as a worship service for the, the, the first advent of Jesus, the first coming to this earth from, uh, of the Lord Jesus, it, it began as a worship service. And that worship service of the church affected the, the culture. It poured out into the culture. And again, through the years, through the centuries, through the millennia, it's become what it has become today, and if what we're looking at today is the final answer, then we're in trouble. We're in real big trouble. We, we went through a, a few weeks of the end time study before we jumped into this um, study at Christmas time, what Christmas is, and I, that's why I felt so impressed to dig into scripture, dig into history, and to, to remind us as a church, as the people of God, uh, what Christmas is. And, and again, we, we, it's so easy. We're talking about that this, this weekend, and, and, and it's so difficult because you can get swept into what has become today and forget altogether. Again, we can say it with our words. We can show up at church, and we can, we can sing about it and all these things, but then when it actually, co actually comes to practically living out what Christmas is or should be, Again, I think even as Christians, we get swept away into what it, the culture has made it versus what it should be and what it always has been. So I believe we've got to guard against over-spiritualizing the commercialization of what we do at Christmas time. And I want to say that again. I, I believe that we need to guard against over-spiritualizing what Christmas has become today, the commercial aspect of it, right? We, we, we get gifts and we give gifts and we... And we've talked about it last week. We stress, we fret, we, we have all these things going on. And I want to make these disclaimers every time because I don't want anybody ever to show up here for the first time or a guest or even a member not be listening at some point in time and then hear me say that we shouldn't be giving gifts. And I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that gifts aren't, aren't a fun thing to do or, or even connected to what the church has celebrated for centuries. But, but it's so important for us to be honest with ourselves and say, have we as Christians really made it about that as well? And then over-spiritualize that aspect of Christmas. And I, and I think the honest truth is, yeah, probably so. I think probably so. I think that we as Christians, we, we really want it to be about celebrating Jesus' birth. We really want to make it about that. In our, in our heart, I think if we're truly Christians, the Spirit is, is longing for us to be able to celebrate with the passion that we should be celebrating that God came to this earth. I think we really want that, but what ends up happening is our flesh and the world, the culture, begins to really pull on us during this time, and what it becomes is what they want it to be, what the world wants it to be. 
what's easy for our flesh to make it to be. And then to make our, ourselves or our conscience feel a little bit better, we over-spiritualize that commercial side of it. And say, well, we're celebrating Jesus' birth. But I really want to encourage you something right now. Next week, we're going to have a Christmas Day worship service. And I just want to remind you what I just said. Christmas began as a worship service, a worship time. There's no greater opportunity for us to really say, Christ, Christ, Mass is about Christ. Worship. We get to come and worship him on the day that historically has been set aside as a worship service for Christ in celebrating his first advent on this earth. And so I know that you say, man, well, we got plans and we got this. Listen, that's what Christmas is, is a worship service for Jesus' first advent. And so this is an opportunity, I think, for every parent of every young child, even older kids. I believe for every grandparent, this is a great opportunity. You struggle with trying to keep your kids on track with, with what Christmas is all about because then they gripe and complain about they didn't get this or they wanted that or they have you know, bad attitudes about this and you try to teach those, le those lessons after it's over, been over-commercialized. You're know, like, man, I just wish they would be more grateful. Here's an opportunity for us to say, you know what, this is what Christmas is all about. We're going to give to God first the worship he deserves for him coming to earth the first time to save us. And then we'll teach our kids how blessed we are to be able to have gifts and give gifts because of what he's done in our life and the great blessings he's afforded to us to even live in this country that we live in, to have the resources that we have. And so again, just a great opportunity. I hope that you tell I know there's some people going out of town. You say, great, now I'm not going to be able No, I'm not saying, if you're going out of town, that's a different story. But man, if you're here, I really hope that you, you make plans. We, we still got the two services planned because I know that that works in, in some regards uh, for people. Maybe you want to get up early and, and do other stuff first and have a meal. Maybe you want to read the Christmas story with your family first. Uh, maybe, maybe you do those things and praise God. But I just really hope we don't, we don't make it about the commercial side more than we make it about the Christ side. And so, um, again, the giving of gifts throughout history has had different different representations through the years and we've talked a little bit about that some of you remember uh, what it was when you were a kid to get fruit in your stocking anybody remember that when I get fruit you're like oh good it's starting to it's starting to rot already <laughs> it's starting to get a little mold on already um, other things in your stocking like wow this is interesting but uh, some have traditions at Christmas time as far as gift giving of just giving one gift Right? And uh, others say, you know what, we have the tradition of not giving and what we're going to do, uh, not, not receiving, but what we are going to do is completely give. And um, again, people have different traditions at this time, but if you remember, uh, the tradition that was embraced early in the connection of Epiphany, which we talked about in the first, service, in the first sermon of this, which some people still celebrate, Epiphany is celebrated with special pastries and in uh, several different countries, children often receive these small gifts in their shoes. Why? In honor of the Magi, uh, the gifts that they gave to Jesus. And so last week we saw that our feet are supposed to be prepared to share uh, the gospel of peace 
Is this rubbing? Okay. Is that better? No? I need to, I need to trim my beard. Uh, but I think there is a way to have a right balance of enjoying uh, giving uh, gifts to our kids, right? They're, I love that. I love giving gifts to our kids. If you've got grandkids, I know that you love seeing your grandkids get gifts and, and giving gifts to them and giving gifts to other people. I, I love it. Uh, embracing the joy of, uh, of seeing someone be, being blessed during this time uh, and giving a gift. Again, that, that, that's the, the, the funnest part of that side of Christmas. But I think that, again, it's important for us to maintain that Christmas can't, it cannot at all, be a complete celebration of the incarnation uh, of God come in human flesh because he loved us so much to die in our place for our sins. It can't be that and the over-commercialization, stress-filled time of spending and debt and hurt and frustration and disappointment and expectations not met. It can't be both. Your time with your family, our time with our family, the family dinner, whatever, the, the tradition, the gifts, the surprises, should never overshadow the celebration of life through Jesus Christ on the day that we call the celebration of his life on this earth. It should never overshadow that. And so whatever we have on this earth and temporal means to celebrate this time should never over, overshadow, it should never be more important than us actually celebrating Jesus himself. You guys remember, I know several of you do, remember a few years ago when we got so upset when stores and companies said that they didn't want to use what anymore? Merry Christmas, right? I mean, we were ready to boycott, and some people did. Uh, they're not saying Merry Christmas, I'm not going, until Walmart did it. And then we were like, great. <laughs> Walmart does it, how am I not going to go to Walmart, you know? But think about that, right? As Christians, we were the ones that were upset that stores were, were not saying Merry Christmas. We were, we were upset that they were just going to hold to this Happy Holidays. Why? Why were we in such an uproar of these companies not saying Christmas. We were frustrated because these companies were saying they didn't want to marginalize people who didn't believe in Christ. Right? That, that was our beef, right? It, no. And, and then even more people, oh, we're not going to use Xmas. I mean, it, it, it became really like a, a, a battle with, with us now. Like, we were going to go over the top. And, and, and I did it too. We would walk, in, walk out of stores, right, and people would say, Happy Holidays, and I'd turn around and say, Merry Christmas. Not spitefully like that, but I, 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 I would say, I'd say Merry Christmas, you know, and, and it became like this, this thing, right? We wanted to, to make a point, prove a point for these people who were not acknowledging Christ at this time of year. But if we really are going to be honest and sincere in our actions and our speech, in our attitude, then we must exalt, celebrate, and pour our love and adoration on the Savior for whom this whole thing is about. That's what it's got to be about for us. If we're going to say, oh man, we're so amped up, you better keep Christ in Christmas. We're so amped up that we're going to say, not happy holidays, Merry Christmas. 
We're going to say, oh, Jesus is the reason for the season. Then we better allow our actions, our attitudes, our, and, and our speech to line up. If not, we're just being hypocritical. We're just saying these things, but not really having the heart to do them and not following through in our actions. And if that's the case, then let's just stop calling it Christmas. I'm, I'm honest. I'm being sincere. Like, if, if that's what we as Christians, and specifically as a church, say, you know what, we're going to make it more about the gifts. We want it to be about our traditions. We want it to be this versus exalting the Savior who came to this earth to die in our place. Instead of worshiping him and celebrating him like we say we, like we, say we are, we don't do that anymore. What we've made it is what the culture has made it for us. And so we're going to live that out. We're going to stop calling it Christ Mass. We'll just call it break time with gifts and food. Just do it. I'm serious. Like if it's not going to be about Christ, then let's not get amped up whenever people say happy holidays. It happened last night. We, we came back from a family uh, Christmas out at my mom's, and, and uh, we went by, what was that place? Bath and Body Works. Yeah, we had to get some candles, you know. And um, <laughs> we, we walk out of there with our nostrils singed, and uh, the person at the door says, Happy Holidays. And I, for a second, I almost said, and, and I think one of our girls said, Merry Christmas. But again, if it's not going to be about Christ, let's do what the world wanted to do with this holiday. And let's just stop calling it Christmas. But if we are going to be honest and sincere, if we are going to actually allow our, our attitude and our actions to line up with our speech, then let's stop saying it's the celebration of the birth of Jesus Christ to keep our kids from being brats at this time or to make ourselves sound spiritual. Let's, let's, let's actually live it out. If we're going to call it Christmas, if we're going to be honest, let's ensure that we're pouring out the affections on the right things, and namely the right person at this time of year. Man, my heart is just so dry. I, can't, I hope I get this. I hope I get that. Man, I, I, maybe if we could get rewired at this time, I can't wait to worship Jesus. I can't wait to celebrate him with God's people. Imagine that, that, that army of angels singing glory to God in the highest. Man, I, I, I want to I be a part of, of how excited the shepherds were to hear that the Savior had, had come. I, I want my heart to leap for joy and excitement and, and be so excited about worshiping the Savior who's come to save us from our sins. Again, I, I think give, giving gifts are awesome. We're buying things for other people because we get to. But when we are buying things for people when we have to, I don't think that's the essence of giving, and I definitely don't think it's the essence of love. Therefore, I don't think that's at all what Christmas is. Because I think that to give is an expression of love. I think that's what Scripture tells us. As a matter of fact, I think it's the very expression of love. To give is the very expression of love. And that's our first point this morning. Christmas is love, celebrating and expressing God's love, and so point one is this, what is love? Christmas is love. There's no question about it. And, and I think it's, again, important to, to define this. And uh, we're going to go through this, and I, and I hope that you pick this up because it's such an important 
this first point is so important. The kind of love that God expressed and the kind of love that he, love that he still expresses today and will continue to express is what we know in the Greek is agape love. In the Greek world, there are three basic kinds of love, right? Some of us know, if you already know this, then this is elemental. But if you don't, but there are, th- there are three words in the Greek that, that they use primarily basic ones to express love. Number one is what we just shared, is agape. The second one is phileo, is like brotherly love, right? So where we get the Philadelphia, the city of what? Brotherly love. And then there's a third kind, and we got kids in here, but it's how they got here. It's called eros. You can use your minds, adults, and understand where that other words in our vernacular come from, but um, they, they struggled, the Greeks struggled to understand uh, the right kind of love because of their immersion in Eros, their immersion in Eros in an in a, in a area of sin and carnality. And so they, they had these false gods, and if you study Greek mythology, you'll understand exactly what I'm talking about. They, they thought they had to appease these gods, and they thought that they had to have this interaction with these false gods, many of whom the most among the most powerful of them had to do with fertility there you go therefore they had this skewed perspective of agape love when even the apostle paul would go to say like the city of ephesus where there was a temple to artemis we talked about that a while back but what they were doing is they were trying to intertwine their understanding of their perversion of eros with agape and 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 again they, they had this idea of phileo, this, this brotherly love, and they couldn't quite wrap their minds around exactly what it was that God loved them. And today, I, I don't think that we are too far from what was skewed back then either. Eros, again, revolved primarily around the, the pleasing or the satisfying of the individual, the self, right? That, that's what Eros has to do with. But phileo and, and agape, those two Greek words actually aren't too far apart in their definition. We'll talk more about that in just a minute. But what love is can be seen in the most well-known verse about God's love in all of Scripture. And we can all say it together if you want to. But it says in John three sixteen, for God what? So loved the world that what? That he gave. Whatever we say that, that, that giving is, it's the, it's the greatest expression of love. That God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. Whosoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. They wouldn't perish in the lake of fires. For God so agapeo. For God so agapeo, which is the verb tense of agape, which is the noun verb, which is this. God so showed, he so demonstrated his love. Just like it says in 1 John chapter 3, verse 17, it says this, but whoever has this world's good sees his brother in need and closes up his heart against him. How does what? The love of God abide in him. How does the agape of God abide in him if he sees someone in need and he, doesn't, and he has the ability to give to the need? How does God's love abide in someone who is not willing to give to the need? That's the, that's the connection of love and giving. Again, The reason why love has to demonstrate, God's love, agape love, has to demonstrate itself. The reason why God's love has to show itself is because that's 
how it shows it exists and it's real. How do you know that God loves you? Because he gave his one and only son. You and I love as Christians because it's in us and it's real. Agape also means to take pleasure and to love based on a regarded value. So to love based on a regarded value. Someone sees something or someone as value to, valuable to them. And so in that, in that place, they give. For example, John chapter 12, verse 43, For they love the glory that comes from man more than the glory that comes from God. So the regarded value is what was driving their love. They loved what man had to say about them versus what God had to say about them. Contrast that with Romans chapter 5, verse 8. And you, many of you know what this verse says too. It says, God demonstrates his own love toward us. How? In that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So God's love is, is, is his expression uh, giving based on how valuable we are to him. God demonstrates his agape toward us, not based on our performance, not based on our abilities, what we did for him or what we could do for him, but based on our value to him. 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 15 is a trustworthy statement, deserving full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, among whom I am the foremost of all. How could God love a filthy sinner? How could God regard someone as valuable, valuable enough to die for them? It, it, it's mind-blowing that a holy God could look at a filthy sinner and regard them as valuable enough to die for them. But that is what love does. That's what agape love does. See, love, agape love, as I said, has to act. Love is an action. It's not an abstraction. And I'm going to say that again. Love is an action, not an abstraction. An abstraction is a good idea. Love has to do. That's the way it works. Well, I love you, but that will be seen. Love is and isn't several things. I'll put these on the screen so you can fo follow along. You know where it's found in 1 Corinthians 13. Love is patient. This is what love looks like when it's lived out in, in words, in our attitudes, and then the things that we do. This is how you know that someone has agape love in them. It's patient. The love of God is kind. It's devoted to truth in everything. Love is not jealous. It never envies. When the love of God exists, it, it, it does not provoke jealousy or envy. Love does not brag. Love is not arrogant. Love is not rude or overbearing. Love does not seek its own way. You say, what, what's a good example of that? Like, well, how do we know that, like, love, how, how can we relate to that? Well, I'll, I'll give you the perfect example from the perfect example. Jesus in the garden says this, Nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. Love does not seek its own way. Love is not easily irritated or angered. When the love of God is inside of you, it's hard for you to get irritated. When the love of God is operating in you, it's hard for you to get angered. Love does not take into account a wrong suffered. It doesn't keep records of wrongs. Love finds no pleasure in unrighteousness. When somebody sins, when somebody messes up, when somebody stumbles in something, true love doesn't say, 
See, they're not perfect. It doesn't say that. Love doesn't rejoice, finds no pleasure in unrighteousness or sin. Love bears all things. That means it covers with silence. It endures patiently. It, 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 allow, it allows, it has so much room for mistakes. Love does. Love believes all things. It hopes all things. It endures all things, even when others reject. There's a positive and negative to this last one. Love never fails. What that means is while it never fails, it means this, that it outlasts, it endures all failures. That's what God loves, God's love does. And so when the Apostle Paul, inspired by the Holy Spirit in 1 Corinthians 13, writes this, this is exactly what the love of God looks like and how it looks in our life when we are operating in the love of God, if it's in us. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 8, as I said, this is that, that covering Above all, keep fervent, love in your, fervent in your love for one another because love, agape, covers a multitude of sins. Secondly, how do we love? How we love. This is, this is, that, that's what love is, specifically agape love. What, this is, again, what Christmas is. This is what love is and then how we love. We're never commanded by Jesus to love one another with phileo. And this is which is interesting, right? Jesus himself never commanded us to love with brotherly love. Now, the Apostle Paul, of course, you said, well, yeah, but the Holy Spirit inspired him, so Jesus did say that. Yes, absolutely. But Jesus on, on the earth as a, as a man never said this. Now, there are, uh, again, a, a big connection between phileo and agape, right? There's a big connection. It's sometimes there's, it's hard to, to make the distinction, even though uh, some of the meanings do have these overlapping. I, I think it's important to understand about brotherly love. Again, never being charged in in the New Testament by Jesus himself to love this way, this brotherly love is to focus upon love or affection based on this interpersonal connection that we have with other people. While agape love focuses on love and affection based on a deep appreciation or high regard. So brotherly love can be seen in the fact that we have this interpersonal relationship with one another. But agape love exist with a high regard for the person regardless of the interpersonal relation right the the closer we get with one another the more brotherly love we can express right the closer you get with someone the more you you can say you know what i i, I you know i'm praying for you i know that you're struggling with this if we have this you know hey give you a hug give you a handshake send you a text this brotherly love but but agape love is is beyond that agape love is something where you regard the person this is scripture, more importantly than yourself. Just like Jesus did when he came to the cross and died for us. On the basis of this type of distinction, someone can understand some of the reasons for the use of agape in the commands to the Christian to love one another. It would, however, be quite wrong to assume that phileo or philia only refer to human love, while agape only refers to divine love. Both sets of terms are used for the total range of loving relationship between people, between people and God, and between God and his son. I'll put this down, and you can jot it down if you want to. I don't know if I put it in the notes, but agape love is experienced only by agape love being expressed. The only way that you can experience agape love is when agape love is actually expressed. That's the only way. 
God so loved that he gave. The only way for you to experience agape love is for God to have given his son. 1 John chapter 3, verse 18, Little children, let us not love with word or tongue, but in deed and in truth. Again, you can say, oh, I love you. I love you. Hey, what, what, would it say, what would it say to you guys as a church if I, if I got up in this pulpit and said, I love you guys. But then every week I got up here and I hadn't spent any time in Scripture. I hadn't spent hardly any time in prayer, praying for you, praying for this service, praying for me. I, I hadn't done any of that. I hadn't done anything to, to show what matters, right? I hadn't done anything. And I kept getting up in the pulpit and saying, I love you guys. Hey, uh, just want to hang out for a little while and, and uh, read a couple of scriptures. And no, you would say, why is he not, what, doing these things? He says this, but he's not doing things that line up with what he says. Well, it's not love with word or tongue, just in what we say, but let's actually do it. Number three, who we love. Who are we to love? Very simple, basic, I know. Letter A, you love one another. New commandment I give to you that you love one another in the same way, even as I have loved you, that you also love one another. And listen, I love this, these verses. By this, by you loving one another the way that God, the way that Jesus loves us, by you loving one another that same way, this is how all men will know that you're my disciples, if you have love for one another like this. So when we show agape love to one another, right, we regard one another more, more important than ourselves, that we, we, we love one another and honor, Romans chapter 12, verse 10, and honor preferring one another in love. If, if, if we do this, then this is how people know that we're followers of Jesus Christ, by our love. Hey, you know what? You know how people will know that you are a follower of Jesus Christ at your job? Your love for God and your love for them will be so evident. But if you're always keeping score and you're always talking about people and you're always griping and complaining, you're always doing these things that don't show the love of God, when, when people say, hey, hey, what are you doing this Christmas? And you say, I'm going to church. Like, oh, I didn't know you were to church. And the love of God should be so evident in our life that whenever, at that moment in time that the dots are connected for somebody, they say, oh, well, that makes a lot more sense to me now. You're a Christian. Yeah. That makes sense. It should be so evident by our love. Our love for one another. And then also for other people. Love your neighbor. Let it be. He said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. This is the great and foremost commandment. The second is just like it. You should love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend the whole law and the prophets. Love our, love our neighbor. Of course, you know the question. Peter said, well, who's, who's my neighbor? And uh, what, did it, what, did he get, what story did he give? Good Samaritan. Somebody in need. What, 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 was, the, what was the moral of that, that story? If you have the ability, when someone's in need, you give to their need. Why? Because... Of love you don't you don't help somebody just because you have to and that's a christian thing to do you know no we do it because we love them and they're in need and we have the ability because that's what agape love does isn't it interesting that like we start getting a different perspective on love and giving and why we give that that the over commercialization during christmas time begins to lose its 
it starts to get a little bitter. I don't know about it for you, but it does for me. Like, I don't want to, I don't want to just be all focused on these things and, and, and lose the whole point of why we are supposed to be giving in the first place. Because love is seen in our giving. Not because we have to, not compelled to. I don't, I don't, I, I don't, I'm not strapped to do this because I have to. No, I get to because I want to, because I love. That should, be the, that should be the focus of our giving at any point in time. But if we're going to say that we give gifts at Christmas time because we're celebrating our Lord's birth and we want our kids and our grandkids and everybody to understand how important God's giving to us is, his greatest gift of all, and, and we are just joining in the celebration of, of God's giving, his love, and we get to give out of love too. Like if it's not that, then we've missed the point of giving. He says that we're to love one another, we're to love our neighbors, and then we're to also love our enemies. Chapter 5, verse 43, you've heard it said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, this is Jesus, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, so that you may be the sons of your Father who is in heaven. Which, which did what? We already read it. Who, when we were sinners, Christ died for us. That's the love that he expressed. So we are to love them in the same way that he loved us. Even if we're the chiefest sinners, as Paul said in 1 Timothy chapter 1. So that you may prove that you're the sons of your father. For he causes the sun to rise on the evil and the good, sends the rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? That's, not, that's, that's no true expression of God's love. The tax collectors do the same exact thing. They love the people that love them. If you greet only your brothers, what more are you doing than others? People do the same thing. You love your family. Do Not even the Gentiles do the same thing. Therefore, you need to be mature, complete, perfect, just as your Heavenly Father is. And you need to love having a regard for other people, more important yourselves, even your enemies. That, that was the point that Jesus was making there. And then the fourth point is this, and ours, what love, uh, what love, what does love do? Sorry. What does love do? Right, we already saw some of the things that love does. There's is a description of what love is in the first part of First Corinthians chapter 13, where it says, "Love is these things. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is devoted to truth and everything. Love is not jealous. It's, it never envies. Love does not brag. It is not arrogant. It's not rude or overbearing. Love does not seek its own. It, it's not easily irritated or angered. Love does not take into account. Doesn't keep records of wrong." Love finds no pleasure, it bears all things, it believes all things, it's, it never fails. This, this is what love does. What does it look like? It's expressed. Love is, it, it, so how, what, is what does it do? I mean, when, when, you, when you know that someone is loving the way that God is loving, if, if I'm supposed to be celebrating God's love at Christmas time, because that's the whole point of it. God so loved the world that he gave. If, if, if I'm supposed to be focusing and celebrating the love of God during this time, and the love of God is supposed to be in me, then what does my life look like? I think that when we talk to each other, when we talk to our enemies, when we talk to our, our, our brothers and sisters or, or in Christ or, or whoever, our neighbors, that we are going to be kind and we're going to be patient. And our attitudes, actions, and speech, we're not going to be jealous or envious of them. Um, must be nice to be able to afford something like that. Why? 
And love rejoices over the blessings of it. Weep with them that weep. Rejoice with them that do rejoice is the command. And if somebody gets something, they say, well, it must be nice to have that kind of money. It must be nice to have that kind of job. Well, they, don't, they always go in here. They're always traveling. They're always doing this. Always buying this and buying that. Rejoice with them. Especially if they're a brother or sister in Christ. You don't know what they're doing and why God is blessing them maybe. But if you take in, into account the fact that even if they weren't, that they don't deserve it and neither do you. It's just the grace of God and it's the love of God expressed. Love doesn't brag, it's not arrogant, it's not rude or overbearing. Again, this is what love does. It looks like this. But namely, this is what love does. It gives. So we, already, we already talked about it. Love gives. God so loved. Love sacrifices. Let her be. Those, those two are very closely intertwined. Love gives, it sacrifices. How do we know that love sacrifices? How, how do you know that? Well, Jesus, yes, absolutely. But what does John 15, 13 say? Greater love has no one than this. That what? How do you know that someone loves you with the greatest kind of love that's possible? How can you see that someone, their, their love, what's the greatest expression of love? Number one, giving but giving even your very life. That's what it says, that one lay down his life for his friends. No one could ever doubt the love of God. Why? Because he loved us to death. That's the greatest expression of love. That's what love does. But at the heart of it all, number five, why do we love? Why do we love? Number one, he first loved us. We love because he first loved. The only reason I can love anybody, the only reason you can love anybody, the only reason we can love anybody, especially our enemies, is because he first loved us. 1 John chapter 4, verse 19. We love because he first loved us. Letter B, why we love is because he commanded us. John 13. We already read it. Love one another. Letter C, this is so important. Why do we love this way? And why do we celebrate this love at Christmas time? Why at Christmas time, listen to me, why at Christmas time should this love be so evident in our lives as followers of Christ? Everything we do, not just at this time of year, but I would say especially this time of year, everything we do has to be done in love. Number one, it says that let everything you do be done in love. But listen to what 1 Corinthians chapter 13, the first part says. Here, listen. If we speak with tongues of men and of angels, but do not have love, I'm just a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy, of proclaiming the truth, know all mysteries and all knowledge. And if I have all faith, a faith so strong that I could remove mountains, but I don't have love, listen to what he says. I am nothing. Oh, here we go. Here's that expression of love, right? Giving, sacrificing. But if I give all my possessions to feed the poor, man, I mean, the, the people find so many charities and so many things to do at this time of year for self, I think, a lot of times. I think there's some people that do it because of love, but so many times people do it so they can talk about how much they gave during this time of year. I'm not saying it's bad to give. I'm just saying we got to make sure that our heart's right. 
Because he said, if I give all my possessions to feed the poor, and if I surrender my body to be burned, but do not have love, it profits me nothing. We are useless in the kingdom of God without love. If you go back to serve, if you're here worshiping, if you're making a phone call or text, if you're doing anything of an obligation, if we're not doing what we're doing, worshiping, serving, whatever it is, giving, if we're doing any of these things without sincere agape love, the Bible says it's useless. Useless. Now, if, if we don't love, then what's that saying? If we don't love what, like we've seen, if, if this kind of love is not in us and expressed through us, what does it mean? I think this, it tells us that we don't know God. First John chapter 4, 7, Beloved, let us love one another because love is from God. And everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. The one who does not love does not know God because God is love. So I think that we can do a self-evaluation, which we're going to do in just a second, and we'll close, about what love looks like. We already, we already saw that in 1 Corinthians 13. And if that actually describes us. 1 John chapter 4, verse 16, we have come to know and have believed the love which God has for us. God is love. And the one who abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. So if the love of God is not seen in our life, if we're not abiding in that, then Scripture tells us that we're, God doesn't abide in us. That's a dangerous thing. The key is abiding. We're often too busy in our lives to abide with the Lord. Not just to be in His family, but to spend time with Him and His family at Christmas time when it's supposed to be all about, again, Christ's Mass. Are we too busy to abide in Him? Are we rushed to open the temporal gifts instead of celebrating the eternal gift that God gave to us? Are we focused on a, on a temporal meal and a temporal gathering when he already has a table spread? And he's already given us the bread of life. Our love should compel us to abide in him and to share this love with others. That's what the love of God does. And I have, I have to say this. If you can't love easily, please hear me. If you can't love easily, something is terribly wrong. If it's a struggle for you to love like this, something's wrong. The love of God is placed in the child of God. And that love, the agape, we already saw it, that agape love by its nature must be expressed. So if God's love is in us, it has to be expressed. It, it can't be contained. Agape love can't be. Again, God so loved the world that he gave. It has to be given. You have to love, pour that love back to God and pour that love on others you're compelled to. So then what is it when we don't have that? What is it when we, we have a hard time loving? What is it when we aren't expressing the love of God? When, when we have more important things to do on the day that we say we celebrate his coming and his love for us more important things to, to, to do than, than sharing Christ's love with others. What does it say when this describes us? And please take this to heart. Love. And every time you see love, put your name there. Does this describe me? Love is impatient. Put your name there. Kyle is impatient. 
Kyle is unkind. Kyle is not devoted to truth and everything. Is this you? Put your name. Love is not jealous. Love brags. I'm sorry, love is jealous. Love brags. Put your name there. Love is arrogant. Love is rude and overbearing. Love, put your name there, seeks its own way. Love is easily irritated. Put your name there. Or angered. Love keeps score of wrongs suffered. Put your name there. Love finds pleasure in unrighteousness and others' failures. Put your name there. Love doesn't bear all things. Love doesn't believe all things, hope all things, endure all things when others reject. Maybe you're skewed and pessimistic and, and even very hypercritical. Positively and negatively, put your name here. Kyle has a short life. Or in other words, doesn't outlast or endure all failures. If that better describes you than what Scripture actually says, then at best, you're walking in the flesh, which is bad news, and you're being chastened by the Father. But at worst, it means you're not a child of God. This Christmas time, as we strive to make it all about Christ, let's remember his love for us. That's what it's about, man. If we say Christmas, Merry Christmas, what are we saying? Man, God so loved us. And his love is in us. And we celebrate his love during this time. And his love is seen in us. And it's seen through us. We celebrate Christ. And when we celebrate Christ, we celebrate love. Let's show that. Let's remember that Christmas is love. God demonstrated his love for us. God gave his love so that we can give it to others. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time. Thank you again for the opportunity to be here this morning and to celebrate you and to celebrate your love. Lord, we know that, again, we are so guilty of making this time about so many other things. And one of the, one of the big aspects of this time of year, giving, I think that we miss the point so often. We give because it's tradition. We, we buy gifts because it's what you do. We, we, we spend money because we have to, and it's what's expected. But Lord, I pray for us as your people. We would stop doing it like that. This Christmas, 2022, God, it would be different for us. And, and, and many people probably have already bought gifts, and, and it's already done. But I pray that we would even reflect on this. And, and when we give those gifts... God, it would just be that reminder of how, how much you loved us and how much you gave to us and how much you sacrificed for us. And God, as we give these gifts to one another and to other people, God, that it would be something that we rejoice in and that we're doing because we do love. And it's an expression of the love that we have. It's not, again, out of obligation or because of what the, the commercialized uh, worldly culture has told us we're supposed to do. Most of all, during this time, I pray that we would love you and worship you more than we ever have before. And we would show your love to one another and to other people like never before. God, that it would be a testimony to the love that you showed to us. And I pray again that you would just, just light a fire in us, God. Help us be passionate to share your love. I pray you just move now as we respond. And as always, Lord, if there's somebody here who doesn't know where they're going to spend eternity. 
that they've heard what you did for them today, how, how much you love them, what you, you did. You died in their place for their sins. You rose again the third day, and again, they're not positive they're going to spend eternity with you. They'll come forward at this invitation, and they'll ask the question, what do, what do I need to do so that I can go to heaven when I die? But Lord, just move now as we respond. We'll praise you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. If you'll stand as he sings, I want to invite you.